Have you ever wondered some of the things that uh, life sends your way about what you know, let me say, about God? Right off the bat, things you know about God. Most people who have spent their life studying their Bible, here's what I mean by studying. I don't mean reading, writing, and arithmetic like our country spent tax dollars and then put a law in the books and said, you will educate your children. Now granted, if you can't read, you can't read the Bible. So I'll go that far with you. But when it comes down to studying, sure, some of the things I learned in school helped me to be able to study my Bible. Then there's memorization. How much of it do I remember? In that same Bible, it says there's a spirit that shows up to trouble your memory. You just might get a blessing from knowing what God's word says about your life. So God's enemy, a spirit, he shows up to steal what you spent your time to study and learn from your memory. Because it might get down into your heart. And it's going to bless your life. And you're going to be nourished. And you're going to grow spiritually. You understand that? The problem with God living inside of you, that's his word in there. Now granted, you got to have it in there for him to use it. He can't bring something to your memory you've never heard before. And now all of a sudden you find yourself 50 years old and the very sound of the Bible makes your skin crawl because of the life you've been living. 60 years old. Sometimes it's 20 years old. That spirit that's flowing throughout the land, that image first thing, you're trying to keep God as far away from you, but God made you so hungry in worry, not just for physical sustenance, you're shaking on the inside. He shook your tree. And now you're scared to pick up the word, and at the same time, God put a hunger in you that you can't do without it. God never loses. I assure you of that. Just look what you do in your human nature outside of God. Now granted, those of you that are saved, I don't want you to go back across the blood and remember your sins. That's between you and God. That's why they're talking about repentance. If there was no conviction, you didn't sin. You do understand that, right? I mean conviction within your spirit. You didn't sin. Yeah, but so-and-so did it and they sinned. They don't even know your God. And not just that. What are you doing looking at their sin? God is only going to show you another human being's sin if he's going to use you to help them get to him to clean up their life and rid themselves of that sin so there's nothing separating his creation, that other person, from him. But you learned to make money off of your brother and sister's sin. 
Am I lying? And can I get an amen if I'm not? Come on now. And there's a God in the land called economics. There was only one God at one time. Everybody was so hungry for something different. But look down through history. You have in the middle of Nebraska someone who came from a country you've revolted from. And they're talking about God in the land where historically they fought against you. So don't think God hasn't made progress across the pond. He's even made progress across the pond to the west. Do you understand that? So you can't sit there and ride your history the way you think you can and keep yourself divided, catch the division, in your connection with God and your separation from God. You can't do that. That's God's child across the pond. And across the pond, those that walk with God are saying, that's God's child over there. Do you understand that? Only there's a spirit. Spirits don't know geography. A spirit can be anywhere around the globe instantaneously. That's why you should never misuse your satellites. God gave them to you as a gift. So that not only do you understand the spirit realm, you can utilize it properly in the earth physically. No, it's not like heaven where Jesus said, and now I'm no more in the world. Instantaneously, he was in heaven and still had a body. He knew how to reach into the spirit realm and still have a body. That's why God gave you those satellites. But catch this. According to Romans 13, those who he gave the wisdom to put those satellites up there, it took power and authority to put those satellites up there. They controlled the earth for God. If it ever becomes wicked up at that level, the manifestation of being able to traverse the globe instantaneously, my father called it speed and volume, it's like Adam and Eve, don't eat that tree. You, you, you can't handle the knowledge that you're going to understand with that. That's what those satellites are like. You can reach around the globe instantaneously. Boom. That's just like being in the spirit realm to a degree. Not totally. Because the satellite can fail. The body using the satellite can die. In the spirit realm it's not like that. But what Satan did was he gave you a taste of what that awesome knowledge and power is like. And it can be subject to misuse. That's why in Romans 13, 2, it says, Don't let the wicked and the rebellious get in authority. You must go to war instantaneously. Because there'll be no one in charge for God. And God can never allow that. You do understand that. God's desire to send his son back finally is because Satan has pushed that final button 
he's got to the last person that says, I don't need God. Do you understand that? It's God's satisfaction that his creation pleases him completely. Last night on the TV show I was privileged to enjoy, granted it was somebody's work they compiled, it took the time to put it out there, I enjoyed it. But I watched it through different eyes. Rachel and Leah. You want to know the problem? Same thing, bear with me for a minute as I call your name. Telling the truth. He was trying to tell you. You were looking for all that temperance, godliness, patience, peace, kindness, so and so and so and so. You know what caused you to rebel in that? It doesn't fit. The failure in authority made all of the good godly things in the lifestyle that God wants you to lead, you'll be lonely. You can't even open up your Bible, excuse me, open up your mouth, and you're filled with the Bible, and you want to talk about things. You may not quote the scripture verbatim, but flowing up out of you are the fruits of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, you have no one you can talk to. Why? Look around you. Everybody's talking the opposite fruits of the flesh. Hatred, variance, envying, strife, seditions. Now they sound real old and uh, biblical and out of date, but I guarantee you, get yourself a thesaurus. Look up the synonyms for those words in 2014. All of a sudden you can see, no, they're using witchcraft. You sitting there thinking Halloween and big cauldron, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Uh-uh. They're manipulating another life. Like a parasite. To make their own life livable. Now if the Bible says the wicked only know death daily, continually, they dread another day to come. Is what the Bible says about the wicked then why can't you understand every day they get up fighting for their life because they dread the very life they're living why they don't know the benefits of serving God they don't know the benefits of living by their spirit the fruits of the spirit love, joy, peace, kindness meekness, temperance they don't know the benefits of putting those things first. Now let's talk about your sinful life you used to live. I'm not judging you. You've already been judged. According to the word of God. Now just hear me out as I point out a few details. Why, why don't you know if your body has been put back together? Come on now because you used your spirit to make your body feel good why don't you know here's why you don't know your spirit's separate from your body you're feeding more to your body than you are to your spirit and then the things that you can recognize that you feed into your spirit it's your old nature do you understand that 
it looks just like that sin you used to do because you can't recognize living by the Spirit first. Your body can't rule you, ever. If your body rules you, you're going to think of those same old sins you were sinning before. It has nothing to do with your body. Your body makes you impatient, doesn't it? Where the Bible says, if you live by your spirit first, you must have patience, temperance. Now just think. The sin that you're not sure if you want to keep on sinning. First of all, what are you doing hanging around the people that were helping you sin? I can't do that no more. Because I'm hanging around with so-and-so. Now if I wasn't hanging around with so-and-so, I could still do it. It don't work that way. Your sin will repel your godly friends that you have come to know. You do understand that, right? And then what happens is you get away from your godly friends, start hanging, hanging around with your old sinful friends. They wasn't talking about God. And they was raising hell just like you was. Only after a while, that little seed of godliness that was planted because you did manage to recognize God sent a friend your way now all of a sudden you're either going to let your old sinful friends cause you to push your own taste of regeneration you had a taste of I don't want to sin no more and now you got the internal warfare going on inside of you only it's up in your mind and the one thing you're forgetting, God or no God, everybody gets up and goes after three hots in a cot. That never disappeared. Just because you decided you wanted God in your life and didn't want to hang around with your friends who didn't have God in their life anymore. Grab this and grab it close. Because you are going to run up on another warfare and you'll be ill-equipped. That other warfare is there ain't many people talking like this. There ain't many people living by their spirit first. God, I'm lonely. Now how are you going to handle that? You, you already know you can't go back to your ungodly friends. They ain't going to accept you. You understand that? They are going to reject you. Why? the God in you, that little bit of God you have, where you still ain't sure how much God you got, but it's enough, bear with me, to piss them off because of the God they have. All of a sudden, you see the wrong in the things you and your ungodly friends used to do. You understand? Only you may not have enough strength. I, I didn't say you didn't. That's God's call. You may not have enough spiritual strength to pull one of your ungodly friends out of the crowd. It's too new to you. You understand? So then what Satan's going to do, bear with me, God going to separate you out. Only, Satan's going to tell you he did it. No, he didn't. God separated you out. Only Satan going to throw the lonely at you. You ain't lonely. You just ain't paying attention to God. Do you understand that? You don't trust the people God put in authority. 
And Romans 13, God, you should read it for yourself. It says, even when you want to question authority, the powers that be, you should never do it. Because God allowed it. Do you understand that? Last night, the way they wrote the script in that show I told you I enjoyed watching, they said, uh, what kind of a God would allow some, something like this to happen? And up in my spirit came quickly, uh-oh, Romans 13, 2. Whoa. God set authority in human beings. He gave them the authority to build their communities, to build their nations, to set government which is a structured order of rule of law. Do you understand that? Law is written for the lawless. Not everybody's lawless. But thank God there is a structure in place. Now catch this. Those people put in authority are weak. God, don't blame God. He didn't do it. Do you understand that? God said everything he made he saw and it was good. Jesus said, I have finished the work which you gave me to do. I'm out of here, baby. It'll take your spirit. Let them live by your spirit just like I had to connect with you, Father. Know what your will is and live my life out. Now, here's what I'm doing for myself. What did you say about me? What did you say about my wife? And every husband and wife ought to do this who are a husband and wife trying to live a life with God first and then have God centered in their marriage. You ought to do this. Hold it. What, what did you say? Oh, you wasn't talking about me. Because if you were talking about me, you would have looked through God's word and saw exactly where I stand. And then what did God tell you for you? How do you expect to have a good godly marriage when everything in and around your society and community promotes everything but? So you start from the home out. And you be satisfied, catch this now, with God putting the powers that be that need to be in place to make that thing that God put in your heart that you desire to be proper in front of him and then you can go on and live a peaceful life a fulfilled life an abundant life and have a blessed marriage do you understand that? do not blame God go right to the powers that be who God allowed to be put into authority here's how he put them into authority he made the people desire to have them there now, what happens when you get an ungodly ruler who you elected? Forget the election process. That's not the point. It took consensus amongst the people for God to put those people into authority. He knew you would rebel against them. Do you understand that? So when God let the people who are in authority be in authority, he had the people's hearts ready to accept them. Do you understand how that works? Do not let all the BS, forgive me for, I'm trying to be polite. Don't let all the BS that goes along with uh, politics and elected officials confuse you. You have people slandering people. 
to get into authority. Don't you realize they're trying to topple God if Romans 13 2 is, is true? Do you understand that? The people going after being in charge of the political process in the land in which you live, wherever you live on the face of this globe. You do realize that if they are going after a godly man to remove them from office or to prevent them from getting in there, God stirred up the man or the woman to desire the office, first of all, if they're God's child. Any opposition to that is a result of, catch this now, rejection of God. Not rejection of the person. That's God's person. That's God's woman. That's God's man. But any opposition to that person is the rejection of God. Now you know how your nation got weakened. Do you understand that? Now, here's what they're politely telling you. Can you put up with the loneliness and the ostracization, if that's the word, of being the road is narrow and few are on it? Not everybody desires that what you desire. They like riotous living. Don't think riot per se, but it's a spiritual term. They like living with no holds barred. You understand that? It's a twisted form of immaturity when it comes to freedom. Do you understand that? You were freely given a choice. You were freely given freedom. What did you do with your freedom? Because when it comes down to God, you know what you were supposed to do with your freedom? Get all the God God wants you to have and then apply it to your natural life. God is a spirit. You're the one with the body. Do you understand that? So when it comes down to those satellites, I'll go to a big example again. Those satellites, why did you ever allow them to be misused? You were put into authority by God. Why did you ever allow them to be misused? Because now you're beginning to see more and more how God can change a life for him. I had to say to someone last evening, uh, you got it twisted. I'm after rescuing a life. I couldn't have said what I said in Pause and Think in 1993 and 1994. The newsletter sent out to the leaders of the world. I could not have said that to them, how you use up a life and throw it away like a supermarket item. When you think the contents are depleted, you throw it away. God doesn't do that, and he taught me not to do that. Hold it. Are you sure you exhausted God in your pursuit of life, in your pursuit of happiness, in pursuit of being fulfilled as a human being? Are you sure you exhausted God? Because everything else is telling you, you need to try this. You need to try that. And then it goes to the extreme. You need to drink more. You need to take dope. You need to pop pills. You need another woman. You need ten women. Satan always takes it to the extreme. Why? When you're in the extreme, you're out of control. That's a misuse of freedom. 
self-control was the instruction. You weren't given freedom by God to elicit a lack of self-control. Do you understand that? It's like the guy who can run the 100-meter dash in 8 seconds. But he don't want to do it because he only want to break the record by 0.2 seconds because uh, there won't be another great one to come along in a long time and we got to protect the integrity of marketing the sport. Uh-uh. If he's a speedster, he going to smoke you and leave about 10, 12 yards between you, him, and the finish line. Do you understand? That's what freedom is. You have the ability to zoom. Go for it. Did you zoom with self-control? Come on now. Because you can also pull a muscle. Trying to go 7.59 instead of 8 seconds. So the self-control was you prepared your body. You stayed physically fit. You protected the integrity of the challenge, the sport. And you ran your race. You understand that? Self-control. God wants you to be the best. He wants you to have the best. Well, you got to watch that pride. You take every gift God gave you and run with it. Why? If he gave it to you, there's something attached to it that's going to edify his kingdom and he's going to get glory out of it. So don't get self-control and the lack of self-control twisted. It's too confining. No, it's not. When you are directly in the center of the will of God for your life, you don't go running around willy-nilly. You are controlled. Now, here's what Satan's doing. I, I needed to blow off a little steam. Then why are you suffering the next day? If it was a pressure cooker the day before and somewhere in your head told you, I need to blow off some steam, baby, you blew off too much steam. Why are you suffering? Me and my man, we're going we to have a date tonight. Then why are you feeling guilty the day after? I thought he was your man. Don't you know your body? Don't you know the spirit that feels fulfilled after you've given your man your body? Your woman your body? That's Satan trying to steal the gift God gave you. Now, here's the problem. You misused it before. That's the problem. You should have... Now, y'all bear with me for a minute. You should have given your sex life back to God. Let's talk about sex for a minute. After you decided you wanted to have God in your life, you should have given your sex life back to God. That way you won't have a conscience the next day. It'll be God's conscience. And then as you get a practice habit of living with God first in your life, it'll be God's conscience when you get in the car to go have the date. You understand that? Now, let's say you used to steal money. One of them big, powerful businessmen who knows how to, uh, what's that word, uh, misuse of fiduciary funds or whatever they call that. I don't want to go to extortion, but it, it's one of those big words. I can't call it right now. 
he can take a pencil up in one of them big accounting firms. He's been pilfering two, three hundred thousand dollars a day from a company because he knew how. He didn't have to. He knew how to. You understand? So you used to steal. Now God's your conscience. You ain't going to get the money back unless God tell you, so I ain't even going down that road. But you know you still have the opportunity if you want to. You know what God's going to do to you? He's going to show you exactly how that which you took harmed his kingdom. Not just harmed your life and caused your soul salvation, your eternal, once you leave this body, to be in jeopardy. You don't know God. Why? You're sinning. Did you catch that? But here's your sin. You don't have the mind of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ, you ain't thinking about stealing from nobody. Do you understand? The very thought never even crosses your mind. Well, there's Christians in jail. They sure are. Not all of them got saved in jail. Some of them sinned a sin. Now, guess how that happened? Don't You can call it backsliding, but just hang in there for a minute. Guess how it happened? They gave Jesus his way of thinking back and picked up Satan's in sin. Now, if there's a God of money in the land and there's a lust that's attached to any sin, let alone money, do you see how Satan weakens you? Come on now. He not only had you take what you thought about Christ, I don't know how Satan got your attention. After you knew Jesus Christ as your Savior, after you were already thinking according to God. He dangled something and tripped you up into a sin. And that sin now has you thinking according to, guess this now, you ain't going to see Satan. He ain't going to let you see him. That's how he got you to stop thinking about Christ. Do you understand that? Satan sent something to you that did not look like Satan, but it was enough to touch on lust. Do not think of sex. Think of overwhelming desire. I just got to have it. Bear with me for a minute. If you have a bad spending habit and you used to shop at, say, uh, bear with me on the name, Bloomingdale, so-and-so-and-so-and-so, and you had a bad spending habit, and all of a sudden you have less money than you used to have, you're going to have a bad spending habit at Dollar General. Do you understand that? It ain't about the dollar. The dollar is the thing that Satan used to foster the sin or to grow the sin in your life, to keep you not thinking how Christ would think about it. Come on now. If Christ means Messiah, your salvation from a lack of self-control in the area of money. It's as simple as that. That's another God. You understand? He did not, bear with me, Satan did not draw your attention because if he would have come as himself, you would have been too scared to follow him. You knew God. 
he would have stuck out like a sore thumb. Why? Jesus himself said, here he come, and I ain't got nothing to do with him, and took off in the other direction. So he used something you wouldn't recognize as him. See, I knew money was evil. No, it's not. It was the love of money. Overwhelming desire. You had a love for thinking according to Christ. Only you can't spend it. Do you understand that? Oh, you can cash a check. You can cash one of God's checks. Do not get it wrong. But because it was money, it got your attention. Come on now. The love, I just gotta have it. Some money you must say no to. It's as simple as that. Why? Over here, Christ, if he's got your attention, once you get into your mature years, perfection, once you get into your mature years of walking with God, he'll show you how to think about your money. Because Satan got you worried at every turn. Why? God's demand worship. Why do you have a God? To worship. Not everybody's worshiping the Lord God of Israel. The one that sent that Messiah, Jesus Christ, to be your salvation. Do you understand? To save you from the things that will keep you separated from the God that he is. Come on now. It ain't hard to figure out, and it ain't as complicated as, catch this, the marketing practices of distributing the gospel. The business of distributing the gospel complicated it. Why? It takes a dollar to make a Bible. You can give them away till you're blue in the face and broke. But it still took a dollar to print that Bible. It took a dollar to buy that airtime. It took a Bible to pay the electric bill. It took a Bible to buy the computer. To record your message. Pastor. Do you understand? Here's where I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. And then I'm done. You are allowing this stuff to even affect your relationships with other people to the degree of marriage God didn't complicate it like that don't do anything without God and you'll see Satan when he sends that stuff coming it looked good but if you look hard enough you'll see where Satan's in it there ain't nothing wrong with you having a new car new house Diamonds. It, there ain't nothing wrong with none of that. Do not get it wrong. There ain't nothing wrong with you having an education, a degree. There ain't nothing wrong with none of it. Did you get it following God? Because if he ever has to get out of, catch this now, the thing that you're desiring, it's going to fail you. Do you understand that? It's going to fail you. It may be working for you right now. It may be working for you. Hold on for a minute. It may be working for you to the degree that you do realize you can do a lot of things without God. Do you understand that? That's one of the problems why you should have never touched that tree. There are things 
you can do on your own without God. And it doesn't become a factor until you get scared of failing. Now you realize you have no resource. You can't get back to him. You can't, you've exhausted your ability to go dip in the well again. The well dried up for you. Just like in Ephesus. The harbor sealed it up. Do you understand? Commerce dried up. Do you know why? Well, that was just the earth and El Nino and global warming and so on, so on, so on, so Wrong. God never, ever, ever, ever let Satan slip one in on you. He prepared you beforehand. If I'm only 45 years old, go back and find someone with a testimony to where they said, God told us years in advance to do something because he knew something was going to happen. Because we listened to him, we were, we were prepared when that thing happened. Do you understand? I said that that way so that you don't have to take my word for it. There's a stupid thing in the earth that things of value, they grow in value in posterity. That's stupid. Why? How come you didn't just give the man the credit for what he did? How come you didn't let it be known that's the man that did that? Instead, you wait till he's dead. Oh, it's really valuable now. It was valuable while he was alive. Do you understand? Here's the problem. You have your own desire for glory. Satan uses it as sin. He also uses your ignorance of what God says about you to keep you from knowing God apportioned your glory. It's hard to feel glorious when your life's troubled. It's hard to feel glorious when you can't see your needs being met. Do you understand? Don't let the pressures of life lie to you or cause you to think poorly about what God thinks about you. Don't do that. I assure you, God didn't fail you one bit. A lot of it is your own doing, and then a lot of it is the pressures of the powers that be that are failing. Now, I hate to tell you this, but the Holy Spirit of God is being drawn out of this world. Satan is growing, not God. It took God the other day to put on my heart, uh-oh, the church is getting ready to grow in 2014. Now, how did I accept that, knowing the Spirit of God's being drawn up out of here and Satan's crowd's growing? God's going to make us grow for a reason. It's got to be to combat something that Satan's going to put in, try to put in the earth in the future. Do you understand that? So that we never skip a beat. Those of us who desire to have God paramount in our character, in our conscience, have God as our conscience. And live our life with God first. God saw it coming. And he prepared it. Do you understand? Satan never wins. Ever. 
and here's what I want to say to you. Don't give up on following God. You understand? And don't blame me. Excuse me. Don't blame God for my shortcomings should you think I have some. Do you understand that? Don't do it. It's a trick of Satan. He's after making you say, see, I know I didn't have to try that hard. Yes, you do. You should never want to stop trying hard. I just said to some of you the other day, don't you realize there's a group of pe in this society? There are people in this society that think you don't even want anything better. It's a subtle trick to make you stop trying. Do you understand? Because if you'll stop trying at the things you can see, you're definitely going to stop trying at the things you can't see with your natural eyes. That's why they said meditate. You know why they said meditate? You have to set aside time. You got to get the baby to stop crying. You got to get your husband to go settle down, cook his dinner. Baby, I, I need a few minutes. You got to set your whole house in order and then go steal some time where you can get alone with God and get quiet and hear from God. You understand? You have to fight to do that. This world is noisy. Why? Satan knows distraction is the thing that separates you from giving God your ear. It could be a distraction of any kind. An ingrown toenail. It doesn't matter. Was it enough to get your focus off of God? Now, what Satan's doing, he's trying, and I'm getting tired of mentioning, but I, I know it's him. He's trying to make you think Jesus Christ and thinking according to Christ is ethereal and way up there and something hard to attain. First of all, it's a necessity. Have you ever known a necessity to be hard to attain? How can you fight, bear with me, how can you fight to have your society through the government and tax dollars, at least in this nation, insist that the basic necessities of a human being's life be provided for. We want to love our fellow citizens to that degree, that everybody should have the right to the basic necessities of life. Do you realize that following God and thinking according to Christ is a basic necessity in a country founded on that God? What are you doing to provide for that? You have to fight for it. And at every turn where you see something that's not being invested to give place to God in this land, you should go to war on it. You understand that? Everything that is going to challenge God having first place. I'm not talking about your opinion of what you think sin is in another person's life. That's God's call. You can't police sin. God's word does the policing of the sin. You should never open up your mouth, catch this now, in chastisement pertaining to sin against God unless God's spirit told you to do it. If God's spirit told you to do it, open your mouth and blast away. But if he didn't, you have to see the damage that you're causing to God's kingdom. God's kingdom 
doesn't make people want to run in the other direction. God is the biggest magnet you have ever seen in your life. Nothing can stop God's drawing power when God decides to draw a life to him. He'll make you leave your wife. He'll make you leave your mother and father. Do you understand that? That's what that Bible says. Not just that. I've experienced some of that in my life. I can't have the friends I used to have. They don't want God. And God gave me a hunger for him. Now what did he do for you? I assure you, that loneliness that you're experiencing now that God separated you out for him, meditate. Stay quiet. Being busy is not going to fulfill that loneliness. If you got a taste of God and now all of a sudden you feel lonely or bored, meditate and listen for God. He did it for a reason. Don't go busy yourself. That will be Satan trying to draw you away from God. If God got your attention, you got a blessing coming. I don't know what form or fashion it's in. Forget the problem. You already know. I can't do nothing about the problem anyway. And leave the problem lay. My husband left me. Go get quiet. My wife left me. Go get quiet. You decided you were pursuing God and your wife left, go get quiet. You decided you were pursuing God and you lost your job, go get quiet. God got your attention for something. Got that? I'm done. I'll make this recording available. God put it on my heart to record it. I didn't just want to open my mouth and let it fly. I'm the biggest liar on the face of the earth, the biggest hypocrite on the face of the earth, in somebody's mind. Do you understand? So I gave my tongue to God, hey, I'm not going to lie my way through this. I'm not going to change anything that you put on my heart, nor will I tolerate what I tolerated in 2013. I know exactly what I want to do with my life. I thank God for the desire. I thank him for the confidence. I thank him for everything I need to finish it out. And I thank him for a happy, joyful, fulfilled life. Because of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. I thank him for a loving wife and loving children. I thank him for good, godly neighbors. I thank him for good, godly people in authority. That can help me learn how to live in a land where law exists.